0: I think this quote that juan said like if you are not making your decision based on data then you're just another person with an opinion i would love to see within scania some engineers and some nerds that are just in the bottom of the hierarchy say to their manager exactly this like maybe they have gathered some data they have made a proposal and then the manager is like, oh, does it feel right? We're not gonna do this autonomous logistics here. And then they are, then it would be very cool if this young engineer says to his manager, if you are not basing this on data, then you're just another person with an opinion, <laughs> because that's true. <laughs> Uh, good. What, yes. what topics do we have? Well, or do you want to discuss something? I added Arrival, the company, to the list. because Hey, I watched some videos about them. Yeah, they recently... I, I don't know Who is that? when Who these videos were, were posted. You say it's before? a what?
1: company in the UK. Okay. A manufacturing company. I don't remember exactly what product. Do they make cars or trucks?
0: Yeah, Truck? they have uh, a bus and a van. Bus.
1: But they have this uh, new concept of factory, uh, of modular factory with uh, modular stations. So they have basically designed cells, automated cells, that can take any product input and then assemble it in in whatever way it needs to be assembled. So it's uh, like maximum flexibility. The product is completely designed for this type of automation where you can just put it in whatever robot cell and it will uh, manage to... Uh, assemble it correctly.
2: But what do they assemble? Like, what do they manufacture? And trucks,
0: you say? No, vans, vans. So, big cars. <laughs> n- no real <laughs> trucks. And buses, like city buses.
2: How many do they produce? Or is this only like a
0: concept? It's I don't know their numbers. And when I look at their videos, I am quite scared that it is... Maybe they still need to get started. Because the videos look very slick. But... <laughs> And you see stuff happening in a factory, and they have they are doing some cool things. I understand with material, so they put a lot of carbon fiber or other stuff together in a way that is very. So they don't have a press shop. They are just using other types of material than for the exterior, pressing steel, for example. And they have maybe some other things that they do different with material, and they have micro factories. They call it. And that I think I want to learn more about it. But initially, I would say what happens to economy of scale? You know, if you have a very big factory that is very precise and can build something very well, why would you not scale that up? what is exactly the purpose of making only very small micro factories everywhere and then do small scale production everywhere
2: I don't know but do they do they intend to maybe deliver very customable products and then is this micro factories say maybe just build them to do I don't know a batch of 500 bands and then they can just move it or change it although sounds as you say not so I would like to see the business model <laughs> and how they work with it. But actually, it is one of these big topics that they discuss all, uh, a lot about how to make factories more flexible. Like, the technology is changing super quick, but uh, that means also that the products will change rather quickly. Take, for instance, the battery, if you are looking into trucks. We will have a couple models coming up, but I guess in the upcoming years, a lot of research will be done in batteries. And new types of batteries will require new designs in the truck. And then our factories will need to adapt to these uh, design changes. And how feasible is it to have so robust but you know unflexible lines as we have today?
0: Uh, it, it's a it's a good question. It depends really on the business model. Like if you look on the website, they have a bus and a van. I think it must be a little bit customizable, but I'm not so sure to what extent
1: (laughs) but i think actually what they have is a a perfect example of designing for automation designing the product for for automation because yeah they have designed their product in such a way that it can be assembled fully automatically in different types of cells and and that's something we have discussed several times especially with our latest automation project of what is a product that is designed for automation and a product that is not designed for automation that is intended to have a human there, and the many challenges that supposes supposed to try and get a product that is not designed for automation, try to automate that. It's
2: it, once again ah. this not thinking outside of the box and just thinking to design something for the world as we know it today and not for the world as can be in the future. For example, uh, th- I don't know if you remember, Jim, but you sent me some uh, months ago, it could be, this also another autonomous vehicle company that they were like rethinking the whole concept of a car. like Because, you know, many manufacturers, what they're doing is just they're transforming a normal car into an autonomous car without thinking that the car that we are using today is built for humans. You know, you have this very big screen in the front so that a human can see. You have four doors, so you can access through the sides in a certain way, or you, I don't know, or the, even the shape to have. Yeah, it's, it's thought for humans. What happens if, if, if we I don't know, put, for example, all the seats facing each other in the middle? You don't need to have, you know, these big windshields in the front because you don't need to look at the road. You don't even need a space for a steering wheel or separate like the driver from the passengers. I think that's also kind of a, maybe it's designed for a different world.
0: Yeah, I think especially this the prominent space the steering wheel has is, of course, uh, going to be different in the future. And it is, uh, yeah, uh, maybe it has been mentioned before in the podcast. But, of course, we are always having this backwards compatibility and designing for the past. A car is maybe not so different than, and even the word is coming from carriage, you know, from a horse and carriage. And we're designing for and we're describing the world with the knowledge that we had uh, hundred years ago. So that is, Jose sends me, sends now some thing about... Yeah, we just uh, wanted to songs. interrupt
2: saying that it's SOOX, Z-O-O-X. <laughs> Z-O-O-X. <laughs> nice. Uh,
0: yeah. Rethinking the design of a, of a passenger vehicle. But yeah, I also wanted to. I wanted to re- remind ourselves of uh, Elon Musk. I, like I was was watching more videos of him, and then he was saying several times how he s- thinks that the factory is the the manufacturing process is actually the product of Scania of of Tesla. So Tesla is um, they sell cars, but it is ten or hundred times more easy to design a car than it is to design a manufacturing process. So he is in his company, at least working a lot with design for manufacturing and design for automation. And he is really putting the money in the manufacturing process. And, and then I also think philosophically speaking, the manufacturing process and the product itself are two sides of the same coin, even though there's two different departments in Scania, one production and logistics and the other one research and development. Like we cannot have a situation where the design department is designing something and then throwing it over the fence to production and logistics. Like now you make it that is maybe to some extent they try to, to, to collaborate of course, in the, in the production, in the product design process product development process, but I think they should do that 100 times better before they can start having these factories as the assets. And then this this statement of, okay, The factory the manufacturing process is our main product that is our most important thing that's the hardest job that we have and then we're going to do it really well and we're going to build mega factories and we're going to be the only the biggest supplier of batteries like tesla tesla's battery factory is the biggest building in the world and then i find that very hard to combine that idea with micro factory
2: but how, when he says our product is the manufacturing process, does he intend to, at some point, well, maybe he wants to leverage it at some point to just be able to produce so many things in such a good way that it, like, overtakes the competition in many areas. Because otherwise, it's also a bit silly. I guess people not don't buy a Tesla because of the manufacturing process. They buy a Tesla because of the Tesla. The design is slick. And... Mm. Uh, you, you like it, but uh, I understand no, of course, kind of uh, his inter- what
0: they are doing. Is uh, they have to spend hundred times more time in the manufacturing side than in the design side. They are he, the, a, these are designing factories, and they they poop very...
2: out cars. Interesting uh, CEO. He's very engineer-like when he talks. I I, I kind of like the way he expresses himself. He's very like also pragmatical when he talks about something. He he boils it down to numbers for the bo- the boring company. For example, that this company has to do holes. Well, to do a hole, you need maybe two meters distance from the surface, and then. Uh, in order to reduce the amount of uh, energy used for the whole, you need to at least two, three meters radius and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> he starts uh, spitting facts or what he thinks, I don't know if it were facts, but he starts spitting numbers and it's like very pragmatic approach to it. But I remember there was something that we mentioned, or I don't know if you mentioned in the podcast also about Elon Musk and Tesla. And it was very interesting how he said that if you buy a Tesla today, Uh, It it is an asset that will actually appreciate itself. So it will increase in value instead of uh, depreciate because the Teslas that they are delivering today to the market have uh, hardware capable of sufficient software to have uh, autonomous level five of self-driving cars. Uh, So he's saying that basically you buy a Tesla today, in five years, they will update your software, and then you will have a car that is able to drive by itself and you will not need to put any more money in it.
0: Yeah. Well, maybe you have to, at some point, replace the battery, but then Tesla has enough, is producing enough batteries by themselves that they can also deal with it. But yeah, all the hardware is there to be fully self-driving.
2: Also, he said, he was saying something interesting, something in the, in the lines of there are 50,000 cars in the world that have the capability to gather the enough data on its environment to understand autonomous moving vehicles in a real application. And 49,000 of those vehicles are Teslas. So we have 98% of the world's data uh, regarding autonomous vehicles. So he was quite confident that Tesla was in a bit of an advantage uh, compared
0: to competition. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I like I really appreciate his way of he is maybe not a very good speaker but a better thinker and then when he speaks it usually sounds a little bit mumbling or looking for like stopping in the middle of a sentence and then he comes to it with a lot of facts and has sort of in-depth knowledge about what's going on and then has these... You know, visions like, uh, for example, okay, should we build a, a, lo- a network of bridges to, to, to move quickly between different parts of the city? Or should we build tunnels? Like, then he says, well, bridges engineering-wise can only go so high. You can only have a number of bridges above each other. But tunnels can go, and well, maybe not infinitely de- deep, but way deeper the, the deepest tunnel is way deeper than the highest bridge. And I think this type of thinking is really good, you know? Do we want more of this or less of this? Can we go higher this way or should we go lower that way? Like, just knowing that you don't exactly have to know how many, bri- how high the highest bridge can be, but you at least know that the highest bridge is not going to be deeper than the deepest tunnel. Like, I think... Uh, knowing all these things and just stating the facts to the audience is a really nice way to tell a story. And also, I guess that
2: has led him to quite interesting companies that now are succeeding quite well.
0: It's nice. Yeah. So what do we think about Arrival? Juan, you lo- said you looked some videos up. What is your expectation?
1: Yeah, as you said uh, in the beginning, I would like to see some numbers, know it more about their business model, but I like uh, how they have placed the focus on designing their product for automation as a way of being able to do these micro factories. I don't know how, yeah, how that business model will go uh, with uh, micro factories instead of uh, gigafactories like the one, as you mentioned, for Tesla and their batteries. But uh, I like the concept of uh, designing for automation and designing the product in a way that you can use very flexibly, uh, put it in any type of automated cell and be able to perform different operations to it. So I like that idea. I'm uh, not so sure about the, <laughs> the business model of the microfactories.
0: Yeah. By the way, I mentioned it to Lars and he said that this um, modular production system is already something from when we were born. Like this idea, at least in research, has been described many, many times. But of course, it's about the execution and not about the idea. So let's see how they do it.
2: But I guess it's like automation. Automation in, uh, you know, repetitive machining processes or, yeah, repetitive processes has been available like in the 60s or 70s. I think it's. Started even being popular, you know. It was like in the peak of excitement. And then they realized that, oh, but this doesn't work for assembly. Let's slow down. And uh, now it's now, I guess, it's starting to rise again because of, yeah, just how fast technology itself has increased in all areas. Uh, and now we have like the computational capabilities to to have systems to monitor the task, and we start having automation technology sufficient to do many tasks, although we're still, we have still big steps to, to go. Or what do you think?
1: Yeah. We still have a a long way to go until we achieve uh, that full automation in assembly. And I
2: I have a question there. Sorry that I interrupted you. Is is, how is it, how do you think it's going to go in the future? Are we going to change our products to fit automation or are we going to keep producing the same thing and reach a level of automation to be able to create the products that we want?
1: I think we will uh, definitely need to redesign our products. If we want to have full automation in the near future, I don't know if uh, maybe in 100 years or 200 years, the technology has advanced so much that we can just automatically assemble anything. But uh, especially when dealing with uh, flexible materials and things like uh, cabling and hoses that For example, uh, our product, the track has a lot of, that will need uh, some type of redesign or change of the product in order to be able to automatically uh, deal with all those combinations and all those type of materials.
0: Uh Yeah. Would be very interesting to have a part of the lab that is also doing, uh, that is going to steal some people from the design department. And that's going to do some design for automation, like just... I'm now thinking of a concept of just the interior of the parts that the exterior of the cap is made from. So the inside of the exterior that somehow uh, copper wire is already manufactured into that material in in the correct uh, configuration. So that when you mount stuff together, that yeah, you have those connections already there instead of that, that is later added uh, each, each part already has now maybe not copper wire, but wires that are needed to bring signals from one place to another are already dealt with in a central way. Where I think today, uh, well, I go a little bit outside of my realm of knowledge, but I, I think I heard that at Scania, every department is uh, designing a certain thing. So the engine department is designing the engine and they probably are in different sub departments to work with different sub things. And then some things are coming from are purchased, of course, so they come from external suppliers and then all of this comes together and there is too little care going into bringing all this together and too much siloed work. So, for example, the cables is always, as soon as uh, it reaches the uh, product introduction department, the part of production and logistics that is going to work with these new designs to to see how to produce it, then it's always a lot of problems and stuff that comes together in that stage of the production, of, of the design process, where I, yeah, I don't know. I think it would be good if uh, there is a design for automation group that is bringing stuff together in very early stages of the design.
2: I think it's quite uh, hard in such uh, companies that have existed for so long mm. to ch- take a change of uh, direction in a way. I'm not meaning that the product needs to be different, just a change of direction in how your operations in a way are handled. Yeah. For example, just just moving from a traditional a waterfall based project decision taking uh, to going into, you know, more, more agile process, agile company, the deliveries in cycles, even you know, this circular approach of, yeah, projects or,
0: uh, yeah, Uh, I think there is a lot of organizational topics that we could address. Like, of course, most departments and their managers are doing their job and making money for the company with the work that they did yesterday so why should they change to do something else tomorrow if they are yeah performing and and selling and 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 continuing to exist so that is not really a force for change and yeah it, it 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 it's very hard to change the operations in that way. The- it's
2: also like the way the 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 departments itself are built. you know, for example, you have your production sites in the beginning of the last century that live for I you know sixty seventy years. Suddenly, starts coming out a bit of automation and IT, the classic automation I'm talking about, and then it starts coming industry three starts computers in some places and you create a IT organization that supports your production organization. And then from there it starts growing and growing. And you start building departments that support the central function of IT to support production. And then, you know, and it's like a net of that first moment of birth of the, you know, the idea of automation or the idea of how the company should look like organizational wise. And nowadays, you know, you have this whole uh, constellation of departments, that support that initial idea and how do you restructure everything so it's, it's adapted to you know the way of thinking of, for example, Tesla, if they want to build this production uh, or manufacturing process that is so optimal and so good. I, I think it's very difficult when you start from a brownfield company, especially a one that has lived for more than a hundred years.
0: Mm-hmm. Ah,
1: that reminds me a bit of the, this video that we saw on a talk in Scania presentation about the, the IT architecture for production logistics, where basically they explained how it starts to grow from an initial system that they use to assist production, then they start to develop custom systems to assist with certain tags, and then the net starts to grow and grow and there's connections everywhere, and then it reaches a point where you don't really know what connects to where and how to basically fix it. And uh, And uh, yeah, I think uh, it's a similar case, as you said, working with a brownfield company as to try and uh, and make a a sense out of all of these connections in uh, different IT systems.
2: Also because it's not so trivial to to, uh, find a solution. Mm -hmm. Like, there is no one in this planet that can give you a formula on how to change it in a good way. Because you can also not abandon your way of working from one day to the next it's it's very difficult it's also this this uh, lifelong question if we don't look so much into like the manufacturing process but we look into the product itself for example like how much money do you put into producing your, and selling your actual product and how much money do you put into um researching you know market leading new products and it has to be a, a good balance because one will sustain the other but if you don't put money in you know innovating then you will you will die because your product is too old so i guess it's the same when you come to the, to the manufacturing
0: process <clears throat> yeah maybe no, cannot like we now say a lot like oh tesla is doing this so then that's very good and now our rival is doing something different and opposite like tesla is doing giga factories and arrival is doing micro factories and but i think we can look around and and try some stuff out like for example at amazon the workers are putting a little bit of their time into tracking what they are spending time on and that gives uh, throughout the company a lot of transparency about how many time how much time a certain task cost and they can make new decisions based on that. While I guess in Scania, yeah, nobody keeps track of anything and most of the things are happening with a gut feeling. And then at one side, I would say, of course, we are primates, <laughs> we are animals. So we do a lot with gut feeling and we have gifts from that and we have drawbacks from that. But yeah, a human plus a computer can do a lot more. And yeah, I think something simple as time tracking, yeah, that that we are not doing or not centrally doing something with that. I think maybe at R&D, people are spending a lot of, more time on time tracking to the point that they also start saying that it's a hassle but i I don't think that like at least for i listen to some podcasts where people are talking that have their own business or a very small business like for example a youtuber who is he is making youtube videos and he is working together with an animator so it's maybe a business of two people. And he is doing a lot of time tracking and really doing <laughs> data-driven decision-making, even in his very small scope. And it brings him a lot of benefits. So I think it would bring individual workers inside Scania also benefit if they reflect on what they're working with and why and how long, and, and bring this data together in a big company-wide de- time-tracking scheme. What, what Do you guys have any reflections on this? Yeah, and, uh, actually, this very morning, I was in a
1: presentation by uh, I.N., the, the IT architectures, uh, about data-driven. Uh, i trying to spread the data-driven approach uh, through Scania and PNL. So it's uh, yeah, <laughs> quite curious that now you talk about that. And uh, there was this quote uh, that said, without data, you're just uh, another person with an opinion. And uh, uh, as you said, it, it is quite important that we start company-wide to collect data and try to make our decisions based on that. Yeah. As you said, we have traditionally used a lot of uh, gut feeling, and many many decisions are still taking gut feeling, uh, by gut feeling, which sometimes can lead to uh, good consequences. But other times, yeah it's not so good while uh, when you are taking decisions uh, based on data at least at least you have all the information possible before taking a decision which will make it a, a better decision every time i
2: think yeah i i agree but i think uh, we need to start even lower just by understanding what you can do with data because uh, while it's important to gather data if you can gather good quality data and just gather everything you're a bit wasting efforts in a sense. And also like there is a big part of the organization that has heard, oh, well, we need to start using the data and we need to start gathering data or we have data in the data lake. But then it comes down to what can I even do with the data? You have to understand that maybe you are exposed to data usage and have a background where you kind of know applications for it. But I guess there are people in the organization that don't have this background and maybe we need or they, they need support into yeah taking this step into the future and understanding that you know if if you use data in a certain way you can find maybe trends you can improve this in this way or that and then finally you can use it for not only having an opinion but having facts behind you and it has to start with management i have to say um, uh-huh. It's not Uh, only about uh, buzzwording, it's about doing things.
0: Yeah, I I think this quote that Juan said, like, if you are not making your decision based on data, then you're just another person with an opinion. I would love to see within Scania, some engineers and some nerds (laughs) that are just in the bottom of the hierarchy say to their manager, exactly this, like maybe they have gathered some data, they have made a proposal. And then the manager is like, oh, does it feel right. We're not gonna do this autonomous logistics here. And then they are, then it would be very cool if this young engineer says to his manager, if you are not basing this on data, then you're just another person with an opinion, because that's true. (laughs) Like, even if you work at Scania already for 30 years and you are getting a little bit fat and you're gray, Heard, then it's still you're a person and you have an opinion and that's very nice but i think if you get based on data another result then maybe try that yeah and about collecting a lot of data it can if you have a machine in a factory it can spit out a lot of data which you can hardly interpret, especially if you have maybe a lot of different machines from different suppliers and a lot of different data coming in different ways. It can get maybe complicated. And that is another reason why it is important to spend more time there because the trucks that are driving around outdoors with the customers, we get a lot of data from that and that can improve the product and services that we are bringing there. But the manufacturing process and the factories are real assets. (laughs) If we would believe Elon Musk and we have to some extent, no idea what's going on, or at least we're spending a lot of time collecting data, very little time making uh, decisions based on this data. So we have to know what data we're collecting and then uh, start using it and making decisions for it. And I think this time tracking example it's maybe not a bad example because we can also uh, maybe start by ourselves and tracking our time. And then we learn something from that. And then we use that also to track the machine's time. Like, I don't know, time tracking is maybe a good place to start. Let's do an experiment. Mm
1: -hmm. Yes. What kind of activities would you like to time track?
2: At what time you, you leave your home, at what time you arrive at work, um, and how long it takes to reach?
0: Okay. And how long uh, Jose eats breakfast in the morning? In the in, at, at work. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and, and you need to uh, mark in your in this timing if when you arrive, I am eating breakfast already or not.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, this well this this information we can get from the data very easily. Like oh, oh, two hundred. 40 days this year, Jose was still eating his breakfast when Jim arrived. But I
2: wasn't. It's because you arrived late. So, then you <laughs> already have something out of no, the data.
0: But maybe there is this. Then now we, we look into a fun hardware gadget to make everything understandable. There is a very nice... You will find a link to this in the show notes. Maybe it's... Like, what shape is a D20? Or maybe it's a D8. It's so kind. Maybe it's a word like this. So imagine... Is it uh, like that? It's not a dual No, the d is the 12. 12. Yeah. Let's do a 12-phased dice. Imagine that. And it's a, it, has, it has an accelerometer inside, so it knows which side is up. Or maybe after calibrating it, it knows which side is up. And then on all the sides, you have defined activities that you can do while you sit behind your computer. And then you are working on these activities. And every time you switch, you just move this dodecahedron to a different phase. This is a product out on the market. And I think those types of things are quite cool and fun. And order it now, you can find the link in the show notes. I found Time Flip Two, an interactive time tracker, where you are complete having full understanding of all the things that you're spending time on by rotating on your desk. Are you buying
2: it looks, it? looks nice. Sounds fun.
0: Or looks I buy nice you life life life.
1: less than fifty crowns.
0: <laughs> <laughs> We're looking at seven hundred crowns. Nice. thank thank you so much for listening and see you next time (laughs) yeah see you on the other side